Uh, man, I am so excited as always uh, just to share God's word with you. And um, I know this is a 4th of July weekend and, uh, you know, we get all the fireworks and, and all that craziness and we get to celebrate. I, I like to tell my British friends, uh, history began July 4, 1776. Everything before that was a mistake. And, uh, and, and they, they call this Happy Treason Day. So I get a lot of texts from them. Happy Treason Day, you ungrateful colonials. And so it's always fun. It's always great. I, I giggle about it. Uh, but I'll be honest with you, this past week, I was uh, at a camp in Arkansas. And, and man, I just saw phenomenal things. And I saw the most beautiful, majestic, fantastic representation of freedom. I, I saw those mullets when I landed. I heard eagles screeching just across. I was like, wow, America, man. I am in America. Like, it was fantastic. I didn't even have, like, I had more footage of that. I put that video together. I had more mullets. I was just trying to squeeze it into that song. And I know 97% of the kids didn't get that reference, but I'm old enough to get it, and so I thought it was funny. Um, but, but the reality, I'm, I'm kidding, obviously. Uh, the real freedom I got to see was the freedom in Christ that occurs when someone gives their life to Jesus, when someone is set free from addiction and bondage, when someone experiences the freedom in worship, the freedom to live the life that God called them to live. It is the most beautiful, amazing, most precious thing. It is this unbelievable gift that God has given us, this gift of freedom in Christ. And listen, I understand, you know, we talk about freedom and 4th of July is more about our nation's freedom. But here's the truth. There's no greater freedom on the face of this earth than the freedom we have in Jesus. There's no greater opportunity. But see, here's the problem, right? I don't know if we always fully understand what that means, because if we're honest, especially maybe before you came to saving grace, before you said yes to Jesus, or at least unbelievers' perception of Christianity is oftentimes anything but free. And so a lot of times they resist or they don't want to be a Christian because they think it limits their freedom. Well, you know, if I become a Christian, now I can't do this and I can't do this and I can't do this. And so I don't know if I want to do that. I don't want to give up the freedom that I have to do everything I want to do. And so I'd rather not do that. Or a lot of times what they think is I'm going to live out my life. I'm going to do what I want to do. And then, you know, a couple minutes before I go to heaven, I'm just going to do a quick prayer, get my ticket in there and I'm going to show up. Right? As, as if all of us just slowly die in a deathbed clutched around all our family members. And so, uh, again, I, I understand from a practical standpoint, I understand maybe even from a perception why someone might think that, why someone might view Christianity as restrictive. But those who have walked in genuine faith in the freedom of the Lord understand it is anything but restrictive. Matter of fact, I really want to hone in on what this means. And man, the Bible speaks so much, particularly in the New Testament, about what it means to have freedom in Christ. And, and Paul kind of writes about this over and over again. And there's a book that he writes to an area called uh, Galatia, where there was a number of different churches in there. And he writes this letter to the Galatians, uh, trying to help them understand what true freedom in Christ means. Because there was a number of people that were coming in that were teaching them an opposite doctrine, that were trying to restrict them even in their Christianity, and Paul, very upset, begins to write a letter correcting that bad teaching. And you, if you want to read kind of all through it, it really does, the whole book really does cover a lot of that. But I want to hone in on Galatians chapter 5. Let's read verses 1 through 6, and then I'm going to jump down to the key verse that I think the Lord wants us to look at this morning. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 through 6 says this, so Christ has truly set us free. 
Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in the slavery of the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. Let me pause right there because if you're new to this, then this just sounds weird right off the bat. When it comes to the nation of Israel, when it comes to everything that you read throughout the Old Testament, uh, God always desired for all nations to come to him. When you read, when God's speaking to Abraham, he talks how you'll be a father of many nations. So the goal was always all of us coming to saving grace. But he chose the nation of Israel to be his chosen nation, the one that basically he tells his whole story through. And throughout the Old Testament, he tries very hard to keep them pure, to keep them as a people, to not allow them to drift off and intermarry with cultures that were going to pull them away from God. And so part of that mark, part of that idea of them being set apart was physical circumcision. All the men were circumcised and that was an outward representation of an inward commitment to God. It was a way of telling everybody, I am set apart, I am holy for God. And this was a big deal. It was their biggest sign of holiness. And so even when people would come to faith later on, if somebody was to become a Jew, they would have to be circumcised in order to be considered a fully Jew. Even if you read in Joshua chapter five, for some reason there was a whole generation that wasn't circumcised and before God led them into the promised land, he stops them at the mountain and he says, circumcise all the men of military age with flint rocks. This is a big deal by the way, right? Like baby is one thing. A 37 year old man handed a little rock saying, hey, I need you to cut that off. That's, you're serious, serious if you're willing to do that. And so this was taken very seriously by most extremely devout Jews at this time. And so what was happening is now Jesus, he tore the veil, he, he separated, he brought them all together. There's no more Jew or Gentile, it's one in Jesus. We are one in this new covenant. And so circumcision is no longer required because the Bible says your heart has been circumcised. Your heart has been set apart and made holy in God. So you no longer need the physical expression because it's already been all done and taken care of. Now there's a whole school of people who came from that background who now are professing to be in Christ who are teaching new believers, particularly what you call a Gentile, which is anyone who didn't grow up Jewish, and they're teaching them, well, if you really want to be a part of this religion, you got to get circumcised. If you really, really want to be part of this, this is what you have to do. You have to follow the law. Now the law were all the rules and regulations you see throughout the Old Testament because they didn't have Jesus, because Jesus hadn't yet died on the cross and fulfilled the law, they had all these rules and standards that they had to live by in order to be right with God. Now the problem with the law, and I'm giving you a lot in a little short thing, but I want you to understand, the problem with the law, as we'll see later on, is it was never enough to make anybody righteous, only enough to show that you're unrighteous. Because no one can be perfect, no one can live up to the law. And so we are not saved by law, but by grace, meaning Jesus Christ fulfilled the law because you and I couldn't, and now we receive that grace, that, that pass, I should say, so that we don't have to fulfill all the things of the law. Now, don't get me wrong, the moral stuff you still do, you shouldn't kill, you shouldn't covet, all the moral things are still intact. But the ceremonial things that you often see that people love to misquote, oh, if you're gonna read the Bible, if you're gonna follow Jesus, you can't have you know cloths of different things tied together and you can't touch this. And, it's like, no, no, you're talking about rabbinical laws that we no longer live by. So here come this group of people, and they're telling all these new believers, hey, no, no, you're not legit unless you do this. And it greatly upsets Paul. Let's keep reading, okay? Uh, 
He says, I, Paul, tell you this. He's trying to make sure they understand. I'm your spiritual authority. If you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. You are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised. You must obey every regulation of the law of Moses. So he's saying, if you're going to do one, then you're bound to have to do all of them. For if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Okay? Now, Paul actually gets a little bit more heated. He actually, one of my favorite verses, I didn't write this down. Uh, it wasn't pertinent to what we're doing, but I just, just because I love this verse. There's a part where you can tell Paul's really upset at the people that are trying to make them do this, that are telling them this is what's required. He says, I wish that when they were circumcised, that they would have been, and one translation says, cut off. What he's saying is, and this is so funny to me because I just like when I see the realization of the Bible. What he's saying is, when they were circumcised, I wish they would have messed it up. Like, that's how raw he's getting with this. He's like, I wish they would have cut it all off. And, and, and it sounds crude, and um, forgive me if it was the Bible. That's not, don't get mad at me. It's the Bible. What he's saying is, you're getting it all wrong. And you're trying to force people into this box that God literally died on the cross to break them out of. And so here's where he talks about that freedom in Galatians 5, verse 13 to 14. This is what I really want us to focus in on. It says, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So a few thoughts in the scripture that I think are important for us to understand. Number one is this, freedom is found in Christ Jesus. No other place. Christ is not restrictive, Christ is a liberator. Listen, Romans chapter eight, verse one through four, and we're gonna be digging a lot through Romans because Galatians, Paul kind of addresses it. Romans, he tends to go really deep into all this. It says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. It's important to understand that it's, we no longer live by the law, not because the law was abolished, but the law was fulfilled in Christ. So God's not saying, hey, I'm going to scrap that and we're going to start something new. He said, no, 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 you couldn't do it, but Jesus could. And so he did so that you and I can experience the freedom in the fulfillment of the law. It is by grace that we have that. And this is huge. This is important. This is, this is magnified to the fullest extent here because that freedom offers you several things. And one of the things he talks about here in Romans is freedom from sin. You're no longer bound to that sin. What does that mean? That means we can't say, well, the devil made me do it. No, no, you're not bound to that sin anymore. 
We can't say, well, I can never get free from this. No, because in Christ Jesus, you are able to. You are no longer a slave to sin, but you are now a slave to God. You're a slave to Christ. So you no longer belong to sin. Sin has no hold on you. Sin can't control you and make you do anything because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. So listen, Romans 6, verse 6 through 11 says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin, but now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. This is important because a lot of times what happens is we drift back into sin. That's why Galatians tells you that you are indeed free, but be careful not to fall back into the law. It is a will situation. It is not a controlled situation. It is not that the devil made you do it. It's not that sin was so powerful that you couldn't handle it because sin no longer has that grip over you. If you were to drift back into slavery, it's from your own decision and from your own desire. It is not because sin somehow makes you and holds your hands and forces you to do what you can't do for yourself anymore, what you don't want to do. This is huge because, again, I think a lot of times we give the devil way too much credit. Oh, the devil made me do it. No, he did not. Because when you give him all that credit, you, uh, what you essentially do is you take away your own uh, self-denial or your own, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Your own ability to understand personal responsibility. No, this is you. you. You decided to do that. You decided to look at that website. You decided to engage in that relationship that you shouldn't have engaged in. You decided to gamble away the money. There's personal responsibility here. Sin didn't make you do anything. Sin has no power over you if you are a believer. If you have given your life to Christ, sin no longer grips you. Now, it's really whether you want to or not. So Paul wants to make sure they understand that. But then he takes it a step further here in Romans and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about in Galatians. Not only do you have freedom from sin, but you have freedom from the law. These, these guidelines, these rules, these regulations that oftentimes uh, not even are biblical law, but are man-made law. Romans chapter seven, verse four through six says, so my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a good harvest of good deeds for God. When we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us, and the law aroused these evil desires that produce a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. But now we have been released from the law, for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the spirit. This is oftentimes, I think, when you take away the living spirit of God, when you take away the personal relationship with God in church, all you're left with is dead religion. 
All you're left with is the law, a set of rules and regulations that I must follow in order to cognitively be in right standing with God. So if I do this, if I do that, and if I do this, and if I do that, then I'm okay. And this is not true. This still leads to death. It's like I mentioned this the other day to some students. Uh, it reminds me when I was growing up, I would have friends of mine uh, during the springtime. I'd invite them over to the house. And I'd be, hey, my mom just made some food. She made some chuletas. You know, you want to come eat some pork chops? And they would say stuff like, oh, no, I, we can't. I'm like, why not? It's Friday. We can't eat meat on Friday. And I remember looking at them going, you're a drug dealer. <laughs> You don't sense the irony in this? <laughs> you, 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 literally, I ju- you literally sell drugs. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to do that on Friday or any other day of the week. <laughs> okay, but what happens is oftentimes, especially when you come from some of those backgrounds like Catholicism or like overly religious and, and legalistic backgrounds, um, you get this mindset that I have to do this, 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 and this or else I have no relationship with God. Despite the fact that you already have no relationship with God. And so this is the reality of what God is trying to say is you are not bound by the law. And here's the problem, church, and this is where we need to be careful, is sometimes we place our own law or our own convictions on someone else and say, hey, listen, before you can be a part of this church, you gotta dress like this, you gotta talk like that, you gotta stop doing that one sin. Who said? Listen, if, if we have somebody from the LGBTQ community show up at this church, are they welcome here? Are they given the same opportunity to experience Jesus Christ the way you were given? Or do we have to stop them from sinning before we walk through the door? Because I don't think anybody stopped you before you walked through the door. And listen, I get it. I'm, I'm going to say, oh, well, you're, you're curtailed. No, we're not. This is our rule is to love people and to not place. I believe the Holy Spirit will bring conviction. I believe if we teach the Bible and we show them the truth, the Bible says that the truth will set you free from that. Okay? Not me. And so I'm going to teach. I'm going to preach. I'll never sugarcoat what the Bible says. But you and I are not the gatekeepers. We're not the gatekeepers of the church to prevent somebody from coming in until they match the same style or or viewpoints that we have and where we're at. You've been in this longer. You should know better. Somebody who walks off the street, they don't know any better. Our job, as we talked about in Galatians, our responsibility is to love one another. So I'm going to love you through that process you're going through. And I'm going to love you through, no matter what your sin issue. You might walk in married or sleeping with someone you're not married to. Or you might come in. You might be a couple together 10 years and you're not married. Listen, you don't know yet. I'm going to teach you the word of God. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit. And we have seen God move over and over and over again because of the conviction of the Holy Spirit will reach in a way that the legalism of man will never reach. This is huge. This is important. So be careful imposing your laws, what you grew up thinking is right or wrong on somebody else. Because nine times out of 10, it's not even biblical. Right, like I would, my mom would always give me a hard time. She'd make me laugh. She's like, you can't go preach like that. You need to wear a suit. I was like, well, I'm pretty sure Jesus didn't wear a suit. Pretty sure that wasn't around. It's too hot to wear a suit. I'm not wearing a suit. I don't even like wearing a suit at weddings. I just do it for y'all. It's hot. Some of y'all summer weddings, mm-mm, it's hot. But where do we get that mindset? Like, you got to preach in a suit. Why? Why do you got to? Listen, I'm not going to preach up here, you know, in just boxer shorts. I mean, there's, I understand there's, there's a level. Some of you had a picture in your head that you don't want. <laughs> Pay attention. Stay with me, all right? 
I understand there, there is a, a you know, moment, there is something that we have to stand, there's standards that God has, but it has to be God's standard and not ours. You know, on the other end, those of you who are really excited about that, I got the opposite for you here. Because if you're taking notes, you got to remember, freedom is not a license to sin now. Okay, so we have freedom. Now, here's the battle. Here's what's going on. And this is why Paul's writing this Galatians, because most of the time, the side that's very legalistic thinks, well, if you don't have any rule standards and regulations, then everyone's going to do the worst thing imaginable, and everyone's going to be wild, and, and all of it's going to go uh, just completely lost. And the reality is Paul is addressing this. Paul understands that that could be a possibility. So what he says is, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Don't use your freedom. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. It's like when I was a kid, uh, my mother would let me ride the bike outside. She'd let me ride my bike, although I had to go from one corner of the block to the other corner of the block. That's how far I could go. And I had to abide by that. Now, I was given freedom to ride my bike, but I wasn't given freedom to ride my bike to the lake. Okay? There was boundaries for my safety to make sure that I was okay. And as I got older, some of those boundaries expanded. Some of those things got a little bit easier. But at the same time, I had to be careful not to abuse my freedom because in abusing my freedom, oftentimes I lost my freedom. And this is what happens is we can put our freedom in jeopardy by abusing it in order to do what the sinful nature desires. When you have this mentality, well, hey, listen, God is a good God and he forgives and I can do whatever I want. I just got to ask God for forgiveness and I'm okay. No, that's abusing the grace and the mercy that God has given you. First Peter chapter two, verse 16 says this, for you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Yes, you are free from sin, but you are a slave to God. And again, because of our history and where we come from as a country, I understand that that's very much a, a bad term, or at least that, that word in and of itself carries a lot of negativity attached to it. But what God is essentially saying is you don't belong to yourself. Nobody does. You either belong to God or you belong to the opposite of that. And so what he's saying is because you no longer are a slave to sin, you're a slave to me, meaning you represent me in everything that you do. You have my seal upon you. See, a seal, if you think about the old times when they would uh, have a little piece of wax and they would mark it with a seal or they would have a, a document and they would stamp it with a seal, what that seal was was a representation of the authority that put it on it. So when somebody, you as a messenger maybe would bring a letter for a king to somebody else, they would look at it and they would understand you belong to the king because you carry his seal. Well, the Bible tells us that we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. So everywhere we go, we go as representatives of the king. And we need to be careful because even though we're no longer a slave to sin, we are representatives of Christ. And so that's why 1 Corinthians says in chapter 10, verse 23 through 24, you say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. Yes, you have the freedom to do whatever you want, right? Like, no one's going to stop you. God's not going to put his hand on and stop you from doing every sin that you want to do. You have freedom. You could do whatever you want. But that doesn't mean that whatever you want is good for you to do. Right? You have freedom. But that doesn't mean you abuse that freedom. Listen, you have the freedom to come up here, slap me in the face. I don't advise that. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Because then I'll show you what I can do. Not much, but I got a lot of people here who like me. 
and they'll do it to you. Listen, God is, is very clear on this. Just because you can, yes, you have the freedom. Yes, you are no longer bound. But be careful about how you use that freedom. Be careful about what you do with that freedom. This is what causes a world who doesn't know God to be confused by the people of God is because those of us who claim to have freedom yet still use that freedom to hurt and sin are confusing to a world that's wondering, do you even follow God? We have to be careful, church, and understanding that we carry a great weight when we have that seal upon our heart. Third thing is this. As he talks about, we have the freedom. It's an opportunity to serve. Use your freedom to serve one another in love. I have have been set free, and now I use my freedom to serve the one who set me free. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 through 21 says, even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under the law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so that I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, I'm all things to all people for Christ's sake. So if, if this causes you conviction, then I'm not going to do that. And if, and if you're not convicted of that, I'm not going to force my convictions on you. What I'm trying to do is connect with you in such a way that I can hopefully connect you to Christ. This is something that I've taken to heart in my personal life. And just in, in a practical sense, I try to be aware of just a number of well-rounded things in order to connect with just about anybody. So like I mentioned earlier, when my friends in the UK, when I'm in the UK, I know just enough about Premier League soccer to talk a little bit about it, to joke a little bit about it. I don't know all the players. I don't know all the names. I play a few rounds of FIFA before I go out there just to familiarize myself, and then I make a connection. I know just a little bit. When I was down in, in Arkansas, I knew just a little bit about all their food. Their, everything has so much sugar, by the way. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, for breakfast, they had chocolate gravy. I, I was like, so what is that? They're like, it's gravy with chocolate in it. I was like, and it, it tasted like diabetes. It was just, it's just very, very thick. And... Um, And so like, but I'm like, hey, listen, I'm here. I'm going to try it because I'm with you and I'm trying to connect with you, right? Like that was my goal. Like I drank sweet tea. I don't like sweet tea. It's not, I don't like it. You might be from the South. You might like sweet tea. Again, it's not, I, I, I taste the sugar in my teeth. And so, but my goal was to connect because I understood if I can eat, the, the, the breakfast, if I could eat chocolate gravy in the morning, if I could drink sweet tea for lunch, then when I'm at the altar, there's already a connection for them to connect with me and they'll listen to me. So I do what I got to do in order to connect. Now, what he goes on to say is I don't violate the law of Christ. And so, you know, a lot of people are like, hey, yeah, Pastor, you know, God has called me uh, to be a missionary to uh, the, the women at the beach. And so I'm a, I'm for, for God's glory, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going to be at the beach. And uh, the Lord told me the, most, the, the smaller the bikini, the more I need to reach them. And it's like, no, that's, that, I don't think that's God. I don't think you're... And so what happens a lot of times is, is we use that, right? We abuse that in order to serve our own thing. No, 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 no. You got to understand. I'm a slave to all people for Christ's sake, but I cannot violate the law of God. 
And so, yes, I am willing to make a connection, but not if it means risking my testimony, risking my relationship with God. And so, you know, a lot of people might say, hey, listen, well, I was at the club and, you know, I'm drinking and I'm doing all that stuff, but it's because I'm trying to make a connection with them. Well, you don't have to get all the way down there or else how are you going to pull both up? You know what I mean? If I'm pulling you up, I got to have one foot on the ledge at least. I got to be halfway. So let's be careful because we have been given freedom and there is no greater thing to do with that freedom than to help get others free. That's what essentially Paul is saying. He's saying, hey, listen, instead of using that freedom to sin, use that freedom to serve one another in love. You have the freedom to serve people, to love people, to do things for people. So use it. You have the freedom to share a story, to, to share your testimony. Well, then do it. You have the freedom to be all that God has called you to be and to show people all that God can make them. So do it. And in doing so, you really are expressing the true freedom that comes in Christ Jesus. Worship team, if you can come up. I love this idea because I think if you think, well, if you think about the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross, there's no way you can repay that. There's nothing you can do in your own human abilities, standards. There's nothing you can do that will ever pay back this amazing gift that we've been given in the freedom of Jesus. And it kind of reminds me of uh, Saving Private Ryan. I don't know if you ever saw Saving Private Ryan. One of my, I love war movies, and it's one of my favorite. And if you haven't seen the movie, in essence, what the story is about, and it's a made-up story, but it's about a soldier who gets lost behind enemy lines, and he already has a few siblings that have been killed in action. And so the government sends an entire platoon to go behind enemy lines and rescue this one soldier. And everybody thinks this is crazy. Why are you risking the lives of an entire platoon for one man? But nonetheless, they follow their orders and they go in. And the truth is, a number of them do lose their lives. And at the end of the movie, they end up finding the soldier and, and he even refuses to go until he can help out his platoon and the whole great story. And, uh, but the truth is, a number of soldiers, including the main leader, lose their life in an effort to rescue this one man who eventually does end up going home. And then the movie flashes forward some like 50 years. And you see that soldier who was rescued all old and wrinkly and he's in Arlington Heights Cemetery and he's standing in front of the grave of the captain who led the group of people to save him. And he, he gets really emotional. And, and I just never forget, he goes, I'm a good man. I've lived a good life. This is my family with me. What he's trying to say is, there's nothing I can do to give you back or pay you back for what you did for me, except live the life that you've given me the opportunity to live. I hope you understand that the life I live now I lived the best I could. What do we do with the freedom that God has given us? We live the life that God has called us to live in his freedom. We love people. We help others become free as others have helped us find freedom in Jesus. Romans chapter 13, verse 8 through 10. Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. 
These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. See, at the bottom line, this issue of freedom is really an issue of pride. If you only love yourself, then you abuse freedom and you misunderstand freedom. But if you love God and you love people, then you live in the fullness of the freedom in which Christ gave you. And you allow others then to experience that same freedom. And that's the beauty of all of this. Is not only are we free people, but we free people are used to help free people.